going to this week's Bonanza After Party. Happy to have you alongside. My name is Nicholas Hodel. Nick Canino is alongside me. As you probably got a feeling you know, from our Twitter teaser yesterday at our socials at College Bonanza, we're getting a little bit bubbly here on the program. It won't just be this week either. We got a lot planning as far as the resume discussions for this particular show. We're starting this off this week with the American Athletic Conference. This is an interesting conference here, Nick, as I'm sure we are both figuring out for ourselves here. Outside of Houston, things are getting interesting. Memphis and UCF in particular. Last week, they played each other. Down overtime thriller, UCF came out on top. And for this idea of the American Athletic Conference being a league where you have that two for sure bit, that was the last thing it needed to have Memphis take a loss like that. But frankly, for Memphis, that was a Q1 opportunity. And with, with sustained success from UCF, it will remain there. Then the other issue pops up. That wasn't sustained for UCF. <laughs> the game against Tulane, I was watching a little bit of it myself. That wasn't great for UCF. That wasn't great. Tulane pretty much chopped him up, uh, really, throughout that game. And it was not a great one at all. It's a Q2 loss, yes, but Tulane always looked like winning that game. And so now you get into the situation where you view it like this. UCF, as we talk on a Sunday night, remember that. We, this is recorded on a Sunday night, so a lot of things to be updated since then, resume-wise. UCF has the advantage in net over Memphis. It is not by much, though. Memphis has the advantage in every other analytic compared to UCF, including the schedule, yeah, so the schedule, record, all the other five major analytics. Memphis has that advantage in every single one. And Memphis, we updated today, up four, then that's a 46. It's a situation where, and for UCF as well, keep in mind this, they're also fighting a Q4 loss on opening night, that if you didn't see Asheville plays well, could turn Q3. So really for both of these teams, we're in the situation where you have a lot more Q3s than you do quality win opportunities and Q4s. You have to navigate those. You look at this, I mean, before Memphis took that loss to UCF, I think the feeling was Memphis was in that for sure conversation of being in that large bid. They crawled backward a little bit towards being in that bubble range. Uh, again, updated Sunday, the bracket matrix, a compilation of all kinds of bracketologies in this updated 68. Memphis in 51, lower seed average, very much that last four in type range right now. And Central Florida, they took their loss to Tulane, they have moved themselves backward out of the bracket matrix first four out. Very much such situation, it is likely, in my opinion, that this remains a one-bit lead. Uh, if Memphis does not perform well, especially because you have so many Q3s to navigate. And that's the big thing for Memphis in particular. Home and away against Wichita State. Home and away against Temple. Away South Florida. Away SMU, who has been awful, by the way, this year. Q4, home against SMU at Tulsa. And UCF deal with the same thing, only it's five Q3s and four Q4s. And remember, UCF already trying to fight off a bad loss. There's a lot of different ways this thing can go, and it's really not certain right now that either of these teams get in. I mean, it's so much self-sabotaging here in the American where 
you know, Memphis and UCF have both already taken losses to Tulane here. Um, and you can't even make the, the vouch for Tulane to get the bid here because, you know, they've lost earlier in the season to George Mason, Nevada, Western Kentucky, Fordham. They, the losses for them stacked up too far where I Tulane is ed, out of the, the discussion yeah, to get a bid for the American. But to add, yeah, to add on that real quick, they had a wave for about 96 in net. Like, they're a, they're a yeah. AQ or done. Mm-hmm. They're just, but they're just wrecking the other teams here in the American. The uh, we mentioned the win over Memphis. Memphis already has two losses, um, inside this conference. You add on that loss against UCF, and then UCF has lost to Houston already. Which I mean, a lot of teams lose to Houston. It's it's one of the premier programs in the country, but. Two losses already in this early conference schedule for UCF. I mean, I think that they have the best shot out of anybody um, to to get this, this second American bid. But a loss to St. Louis early in the year. Loss to Seton Hall earlier. Or, sorry, that's Memphis. Let me run that back a second. A loss to Missouri earlier in the year. A loss to uh, Miami. And then you mentioned that, that opening night UNC Asheville triple overtime. Amazing game. But it's, it's looking... Like, the, the conference has already ruined itself to the point where nobody gets a bid. I mean, Tulane is so far down in the net because how they performed earlier in the season. Cincinnati already moved themselves out. They're doing decently in the conference. But it's it's a self-set. We, we mentioned how Pat, the Pac-12 usually ends up wrecking itself. But even then, they end up getting a couple bids because, you know, there's always your perennial great programs here. In the American, it's Houston is the perennial great program. You you don't have a oh UCLA and Arizona every year. It's Houston. You'll have Memphis coming out once every once in a while having a great year. UCF, but right now, you're not getting that from anywhere else. I mean, UCF is a great team, but the resume isn't there. And the way that the, their conference schedule is going, I I think they might have put themselves already too far out of the equation. I mean, still some. Uh, some decent games. I mean, they host Houston later this week. Um, they go into Memphis in a little bit. But besides that, the conference schedule isn't that strong to the point where it's not going to be wins that can really boost you analytically unless yeah. they're major blowouts. And yeah. that's really the key here. You talk about the net. They need big analytical wins. And there's not a lot of great teams that can budge that for them. Yeah, and for, like, for a side for Memphis, I really picture they were banking on St. Louis being a lot better than they, than they actually are. That now being a QT loss uh, for them. But really, I have an eye on one game in particular. February 16th, UCF at Memphis. This is the required opportunity to head-to-head for UCF. This feels like a must-win game for UCF. I don't think they're going to get the game against Houston. That would be really tough to have anyone. You don't get that. You are down to that one game left in Q1 and a game at Cincinnati. That's mm-hmm. it in the top two quadrants. You're dealing with those five Q3s and those four Q4s. If you win all nine of those games, I suspect they won't because it's just a pure volume of it. But you like, you win all of those games, it's almost like you can afford a hit because now you're looking at, let's just say that everything stays as is. You drop the two Q1s, you drop the Q2, you win the nine games. You'd be looking at a record of 22-8. and eight. And as long as the athletics are there, the Q2 record might speak for itself 
compared to other bubble teams. That's that's the one thing I'm really getting out of that. For Memphis, that neutral site win against Auburn is so valuable. You're just banking on Auburn not completely destroying themselves. If Auburn does that, somehow jump out of the top 50 in net. Don't think it'll happen, but if they do that, Memphis might be straight out of luck with no quality win, like you see the good Q2 record. Again, assuming they win their two Q2 opportunities, but then you're dealing with Q3s and 4s the rest of the way, and that will not help your strength of schedule. I mean, and for you to see it's already a problem, 207 in the net out of conference strength of schedule, the last time I put this off based off of Saturday's games, for Memphis, 68. That, for, for the out of conference, I should correct myself, out of conference. Right now, both these teams are being benefited slightly within the conference, thanks to some games already played. I bet you both those numbers took a big hit Absolutely. for the regular strength of schedule. And that's a huge deal. You look, the net ranking in particular, the last few tournaments has been a huge deal. Strength of schedule also has been a big deal. So you really have to take that into consideration. And all the other analytics are just kind of there. You know, they're kind of support figures here. Strength of records also kind of a, a big deal, but strength of schedule and net are the two biggies. And the quadrants, what you do in them. And so now, again, like I said, that game that Memphis UCS has, February 16. If Memphis takes that game, you're, you're out of luck for the conference. And I don't think this league ends up being one bid, but I do think there's a serious danger of it. And to close this segment out real quickly, future years, Houston, gone. UCF, gone. Cincinnati, gone. Memphis will have to be a perennial program. It will not be the level of Houston is, and that could be a problem for the American that's going down in future years. It just could be a problem that... It could destroy the American as we know it. To move on over into the Mountain West Conference. This has been a conference. We talked a little bit about this last week on the main show where there's a lot of different directions this league can go. And over the course of the last week, the five major teams, Boise State, Nevada, San Diego State, Utah State, New Mexico, Boise State did their business against teams they should have won against. Nevada lost to San Diego State but picked a good win. Against Utah State, Utah State, again, lost against Nevada, but lost beat Wyoming, which is good. Nevada, or San Diego State, I should say, beat Nevada, lost to New Mexico at home, which really gave New Mexico a big boost. And New Mexico not only winning that game, but also against Oral Roberts. That has been the last week. And right now, as we discussed it on a Sunday night, all five of those teams are in the top 36 of net. Boise State 20, Nevada 28. San Diego State 31, Utah State 34, New Mexico 36. Despite that, though, interesting things happening in the bracket matrix. San Diego State could have been tied as a 6 again on Sunday night. A lot can change. New Mexico being tied as a 10. Boise State the final team in the bracket. Nevada in the first four out. Utah State a little bit of distance in the next four out. And this is where things, I think, get very interesting with this conference in particular. You're really having to deal with what's left and what have you done. For three of these teams, it's not great. Boise State has been fighting a Q4 loss. Utah State's been fighting two of those. And Mexico, their two losses are in Q3. So there's, there's a lot riding on what happens the rest of the way here in the Mountain West. And the net, 
like we talk a lot about it as kind of like the end all be all. It's not. Let's just be real. So many analytics and the quadrants play a big real deal of this. So a team like New Mexico, but more particularly like Utah State, this is probably your best example of how Q4 losses will kill you. Dayton was the example last year, and Utah State might be made the example of this year, the way things are trending here, Nick. Oh, absolutely. I mean, just... It, it was the... It, it's... Hold on. Uh, this <laughs> You're good, man. Uh, this is a Utah State team that, you know, they've been able to hang decently around the middle of the pack here in the conference so far. I mean, a win against Wyoming, who's currently at the bottom, but, you know, lost to Nevada, lost to Boise State. That's already killing you. You add in just the already anchor in your resume, and that's it. It's they are the prime example of that. It's it, and it's unfortunate to see because, you know, you look at their just their overall record, 14 and four. You'd, you'd assume that, you know, they would have a pretty good case. But, you know, it, you have to look. You have to look at the resume, and you know, of course, you have to look at the net as well. And you know, that's something that they're the that they're thirty third in, right? They're a they're a solid program, but the resume is going is gonna kill them. It's gonna be the the end of their of it's it means too much. It it, and I'm not saying that they they should kind of realign how we how we view the resume how we view quadrant that's not what i'm saying at all i'm saying that utah state has already put themselves out of it and it's and it's a bummer because you know it's it's a good it's a good team but it's it's already too late for them on the season to try to make a try to make a return i wouldn't necessarily say that with utah state i just think the biggest thing for them is they really got to pick it up i mean you have Five Q3s left, must win. And then you have three Q1 opportunities and five Q2s. You do a manageable, really solid record there. Utah State's in a fine spot, especially with their net. I mean, you have to make up for those two Q4s, though. You can't go out and lose all your Q1 games left and let the Q4 losses speak for themselves. I think that's the thing we got to take into consideration here at Utah State. And especially considering the record comparison. Uh, the, the schedule comparison, I should say. It's not great. I mean, you compare all five of these teams, put them on one sheet. But again, Bracketologist.com does such a great job of this. Let you do this. We compare all five of these teams together, and Utah State's at a conference schedule, as well as, as, well as New Mexico's. Huge, glaring red flag. Glaring red flag. Out of the top two internationals, which is really putting them behind the eight ball in the actual strength of schedule. It's something that San Diego State does really well. Top 50 out of conference season schedule right now, and that's really boosting them in a lot of Brian Tyler's eyes and well-deserved. Everyone else is outside the top 100. And like I mentioned, Utah State, New Mexico, I should say, outside top 200. So now you're kind of playing from behind a little bit as far as that's concerned. And when you have the Q4s like Utah State and the Q3s like New Mexico, that's a big problem. And it's a bigger problem because simply you look at this. I look at the Q1s and the Q2s. Boise State, the reason why they're so high in the net, they're 6-2 and two in Q2 as we speak. That's a really, really good record. Now, that's the biggest boost for them. Nevada's got a Q1 and a 4-1 and one in Q2. San Jose's got two Q2s, 2-3 two there, 1-1 one one in Q2. 
and New Mexico. They are 4-0 in the top two quadrants combined. 2Q1, 2Q2. Utah State does not have that Q1 win. They're 3-0 in Quadro 2. But to me, the way you make up for a Q4 loss is a Q1 win and then some. Because my philosophy has always been this. You pick up a bad loss, it takes two good wins to, off to offset it. That's always the way I've, I've viewed things. It's kind of the reason why Dayton last year, I did not like there was a tournament team. I didn't like there was a first team out because of the three Q4 losses. Sure, they made up for in the ESPN event invitational that year, but when you pick up three Q4s, you gotta do you gotta do something special to make up for it, and they did in the end of the day. Simple as that. Same thing of Utah State. You have two Q4s. How are you going to make up for it? That zero in Q1 in the win column, compared to that two in the Q4 loss column, is speaking a lot of volumes right now about Utah State. That's the biggest reason why they're clearly out right now. That's the biggest reason I can tell you is that right there and they have to find a way to pick up Q1s that are left outstanding on the board and I'll pull up the team resume and get that to you in a little bit and we're going to do it right now. Those Q1s outstanding are at San Diego State doable, New Mexico proved that home against Nevada home against Boise State in the final regular season game of the year and in the almost one month in between SDSU on the road and Nevada at home you have four Q2s sandwiched in between two Q3s. Those six games from the 20th of January to the 14th of February could be the most important stretch of this year for Utah State's Trevor Hopes. And managing the Q2s, winning the Q3s. And this week for Utah State, I should mention, two Q3s. So really, from now until February 14th, I think we're going to know just how viable Utah State is as a tournament team. How well they're doing that second quadrant, and can they win all four of those games in Q3? You're already behind the eight ball. You cannot take a loss in Q3. You can't do it anymore. You cannot afford it. You have no margin for error. But these Q4, Q2, to say, those four games, you need to at least do two and two. At, at least, in my opinion. You put a five in that Q2 win column, I think that'll speak volumes about Utah State. I really do, Nick. I mean, and it, it seems like there's, there's a sort of checklist here, at least in my eyes, for Utah State to hope for a tournament bid. I, I feel like you have, to, you have to sweep the San Diego State series because that's, that's, it seems like the premier uh, Mountain West team. I mean, obviously not the, top of the, or not the top of the conference rankings right now after you know Utah State took that no, loss to Nevada. Now they're the number one. But it's looking like you have to win both your games against San Diego State, including going into San Diego State, or going into San Diego. You need that win against Nevada. You need that win against Boise State to close out this season. Is that doable? I don't I don't know if there's a team that's just looking at that San Diego State series. I don't know if there's a team that can take both of those games. Yeah. I, 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 I think that that right there is the end-all, be-all of it. If, if they are able to take both of those... And of course, not drop not drop the ball on the rest of their games. Yeah, sure, you can try to hope for you know hope hope for a bid, but I it boils down to January twenty fifth at San Diego State and February eighth where you host them. Yeah, that's a, exactly yeah. what it boils down to. And to close out this thing, I really didn't mean it to go fully on Utah State, but that's exactly what's mm-hmm. happened here. This is the final easy week for Utah State. Two Q threes this week. What's the rest of the weeks? 
the Q1 at San Diego State, paired with the Q3 at Fresno State. Home against New Mexico the following week, and then the road game against Colorado State, which they need to win. The next week, home against SDSU at San Jose State. They need to win that road game. The next week, that Saturday game is home against Nevada, the Q1, paired with the Q3 against Air Force. And then you have, you're off that next Saturday, we're, de- we're talking now into late February, and then you have the Q3 at Wyoming. So again, that's kind of the next easy week after this next one. And then that first week in March, it's your Q2 at UNLV, and your Q1 at home against Boise State. This is not an easy stretch. Mm-mm. This isn't. And Utah State, as I mentioned, we're going to find out how viable the Aggies are. Of the five teams that are highly valued in net right now, I think Utah State might be the one that gets chewed out of it, in my opinion. If they can't win their Q2 row games, and as a quality team, they got to win, especially considering that SD, excuse me, Colorado State's 9-9 nine and nine, and San Jose State's 11-6. and six. Keep that into, into consideration. They need to come out of that four-game Q2 stretch with a 2-2 two two record. They, they just need to, in my opinion. Win your row games, do what you can at home. And again, that's saying a lot because it's so hard to win on the road in college basketball nowadays. But that's kind of the hole that Utah State's put itself into because of those Q4 losses against Weber State at home and against SMU in a neutral court in the Diamond Head Classic. That is trying to be a real stinker of a game for Utah State when you look at it in the grand scheme of things. Finally, I want to discuss Penn State to close up the half-hour after-party program. Penn State is very much on the bubble. When you look at some of these other teams in the Big Ten, they have really put themselves right there on that bubble. And I'm going to try and pull the bracket tellers to bracket make just to say just to make sure they are actually right now the first team out. It's very close, but they're the first team out. So you look at what their resume consists of. There are no bad losses. It's a good thing. One or two in Q1. Two and three in Q2, poor out of conference with the schedule. This is the classic power conference bubble resume in the middle of January. This is a textbook example of what this looks like. This looks like a bad out of conference with the schedule combined with a Q1 and Q2 using record. That's just kind of the fate of things. Net has them barely out. Analytics outside of that are very much a mixed bag. The Big Ten State schedule is really helping Penn State out and keeping this team alive. 51st in net as we speak. So again, you're right around the range you need to be. The conference state of the schedule is really helping you out. You have eight Q1s, four Q2s, and a couple of must-win Q3s left on the board. I'm really curious from, to hear your thoughts, Nick. What do you think? Penn State's margin of error is not necessarily in Q3 because I think there is no margin of error, particularly in the top two quadrants. What do you think they can get out of that, those top two quadrants and sneak their way into the tournament bare minimum? It's really hard to say because, you know, how, how poorly, I guess, they, they messed up their scheduling up front. But, you know, what the opportunities? Well, what's the... AQ1s, you have four Q2s left on the board. And that's going to come a lot into as we exit January and into February. After the Q3 home game against Nebraska, you have seven consecutive quality games. Four of those are in Q1. Three of them are in Q2. 
That's a big stretch right there as we get into the middle part of the conference play. Well, it's kind of it's kind of hard to gauge because you know this is a this is a conference where of course it's headlined by by Purdue, but you have teams like Rutgers, like Michigan State, like Iowa that are all great programs. So the margin of error, of course, is very small. I think of those Q two team, those four as of right now, uh, quadrant two uh, games. You have to. I think you have to take three of those. Uh, I it's. Put yourself five. Put yourself five and three there. And I should also mention too, there was a game that was moved by the time I printed this thing this morning out of Q two into Q one. It was a loss. So one Oof. and three now in Q one, two and two in Q two. And then you have to get, of course, above positive um, for your quadrant one games. Of course, I, it's at one and three right now for eight. I think you have to you have to come out with five uh, five wins out of those eight to to get comfortable. And that's just to get this to get a comfortable look at at their schedule. I mean, and that's not even that's not looking at any how any other team in this conference does. It's just looking at Penn State. What is a comfortable resume? I think I think five five of those quarter uh, quadrant one wins, three quadrant two is enough to is enough to put them at ease to where they are up for consideration, where they're they have a good bid they have a good resume um to get one of these big 10 bids but it's it comes to what's the threshold here how many of these big 10 teams are going to get into the tournament you know you have your purdue but then it's a couple teams where you could put them above penn state could take those if it's if it's four bids you know maybe they have to squeeze out right above iowa or right out above michigan state it's really going to be interesting Seeing if it's if it's four bids, who if they can squeak over one of those teams? Yeah, the way I do it, again the Q threes, you gotta win those. Home against Nebraska at Minnesota, you have three home games of the four right now in Q two. Michigan seventy fifth and then on Sunday, that's your border. That can just as easily shift into quadrant number three so easily. That's that is really a must win. You have to win that game because you never know just how far Michigan could climb down. Home game against Wisconsin. Home game against Maryland. I also think you have to win those as well. Get your home games won. You got to win at Nebraska too. And I say that because while it may be a certainty that I stay in Q2, I am going to say that. I don't think Nebraska bumps below the top 135 where that goes into Q3, the road game there. It signals intent to where you can beat a team in Nebraska pretty easily. And the way Penn State is, they're such a weird team. They live at a three, and they die at a three. And it's a shaky formula, you know? It can work out so well for you, like it did against Indiana, which that can very well jump into quadrant one as long as Indiana plays well. That's a tough ask for a short Indiana team to play really well. Indiana right now, as they talk on Sunday, 32nd in net. You got to really keep an eye on Indiana. Also, Iowa, 35th in net. So much of this resume hinges on those two teams because if they both jump into quadrant one, boom, three quadrant one wins. And a huge change of pace for you. Because that bump between a Q1 and a Q2 win is very high. You gotta get those. As much as you can anyway. And so a lot of those Q1s are tough road games. At Purdue, at Rutgers, at Ohio State, at Maryland. Those are tough ones. You know, those are really tough. You gotta do your business in Q two and Q three. Give yourself some comfort room to take a loss 
or a few on those road games in, in Quadrant 1. And then it all comes down to the analytics. And at that point, if they do everything that I just laid out there, when your Q3s, when your Q2s, do what you can in Q1, it could honestly still come down to the committee. But you would at least give yourself a fighting shot, knowing you who do not have a bad loss, you've done your business in Q2 to get yourself up to a winning record there, and Q1, that's where the chips may fall. It's a really hard ask at Penn State because of their style. Like I mentioned, they live at a three, and they die by the three. I mean, that's the epitome of this Penn State team, that, that mantra. They got to find a way to maybe not rely on that so much against some of the other teams and then just get wins, survive in advance. We, excuse me, we use that term for a lot for the Big 12 in particular, survive in advance. Some of these games, Penn State may just have to survive. The home game against Maryland, that'll be a tough game. You may just have to survive and advance that, you know? Get that, get out of the, get out of your home court and win if you can. The game against Wisconsin, if they get Tyler Wall back, I can guarantee you that's gonna be a tough game. Gotta find a way to win that, and you better win the home game against Michigan because you don't know where Michigan's ending up. They could improve, and that could be a really good win for you, or they could just take another step back and a loss there look really bad. So Penn State, keep an eye on them. They'll be on this bubble, I think, the whole way because the, the the way they operate. And it's a team we'll be talking about a lot in the next, these next few months. I really believe that. Right now, it's a mixed bag. It's a toss-up team right now. But thankfully for Penn State, and really for, for all of these fellow teams right now, you have so much time to take care of your resume and do what you can to find those wins. That's going to wrap up this edition of Financial After Party. Again, because I speak way too fast for me there. A lot of bubble talk coming on this particular extension show. Again, next week, I'm sure we'll have a lot more bubble talk there. So tune in for that. And, of course, this coming Sunday, pretty sure we're live. So tune in, Blaze Radio, BlazeRadioOnline.com. For Nick Keneally, I'm Nicholas Hodeb, wishing you a very good rest of your week. We'll catch you on Sunday, everyone.